I'm Joanne Wilson, and this is Positively Gotham Gal, meaningful conversations with women entrepreneurs about their approach to life, business, and everything in between. Christina Budalis and Elizabeth Kaufman are the co-founders, as well as a president and CEO of KitSplit, an online rental house that lets content creators further cash in on the gig economy by renting out their gear to peers in their community. Elizabeth and Christina share their story of meeting at ITP, a department of NYU, to starting their company in the middle of graduate school. Major inspiration for anyone out there with an idea they're eager to launch. You grew up, Elizabeth, in New York, yeah. right? And Christina, where did you grow up? New Jersey, not New Jersey. Too far. So you know, we'll give you the New York thing because you're here now. And were you were you both in the film industry? Your father was in the film yeah. industry. Yeah. So I grew up on set. My dad is an independent filmmaker. He's still making movies. He's been doing it for fifty years. And then my mom. That's was, pretty impressive. Yeah, and he he's like entirely independent. He. Um, Troma Entertainment is his company. And then my mom was the New York State Film Commissioner for 20 years. So I grew up like deep in the industry here in New York. Um, And yeah, it's part of my inspiration for starting this company with Christina and Ken. Which is amazing. And when you, and where did you go to college? Um, Well, I went to Brearley here in New York, which I'm very proud of. Um, And then I went to Yale, um, and I got my MBA at NYU Stern. So funny. I don't think of you as a Brearley girl. Really? Yeah, definitely not. Oh, I do. So I went for 13 years, and I have two sisters who also went for 13 years. Wow, that's amazing. We were like the Brearley family. That's great. So, and, And where did you go to school? I went to Barnard College here in New York. Right, which is such a great school. And the new woman running it, I hear, is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, she's great. And I absolutely adored Barnard. And my parents were not in the arts or film at all, but I fell in love with photography and film in high school um, and in college. I was an English major. I I loved storytelling and was thinking about kind of writing and that sort of thing, but was doing video as a hobby and got more and more in love with it and started getting internships. You know, the great thing about Barnard is being able to intern places here in New York. So I got an internship at The New Yorker. um, Oh my God, what an incredible opportunity. Yeah, yeah, which was my favorite magazine. You know, I was an English major, so and I love photo and video. So it was just a dream for me. I was so excited. And what did you do there? So first I was a photography intern. And then a couple of years later, I started getting more and more into video. So I came back as a video intern just as the video department was really getting started. Um, I mean, it's interesting when video started, it like sort of crept and then it exploded. Totally. Yeah. And this was sort of that moment where just in, in publishing, like people didn't care about video you know this was like 2009 and then suddenly it was getting huge and people were like okay we have to make a lot of video we have to get on this because people will come to our sites totally (laughs) because it was great seo yeah for sure and did you immediately uh elizabeth go into uh the world of film when you walked out of i mean you were a film major so what did you do 
No, I, I wasn't even a film major. I um I actually studied Chinese and literature. And I and, and I did a lot of photography in undergrad. Um and I was I was like gonna be the rebel in the family who like didn't get into film. So I went and worked when I graduated I worked in consulting um at the corporate executive board. Um they like recruited me and I ended up there, um, which was an educational experience. Um intro to the business to the business world. Um, and then I, I got really interested in um, environmental policy and clean tech. So I ended up working in um, like in the Senate, um, advising Al Franken on energy policy. Amazing. Um, yeah. So I got, and, and I was super interested in, in the idea of like efficiency and this concept of industrial ecology where you're reducing waste and you're using waste from one industry to serve another industry. This is interesting. I just read an article, um, and I actually was going to write about this over the weekend, which is as we become the circular economy. Yes. And I think that that is really, really fascinating. Um, and it? important, right? I mean, in terms of the economy and also in terms of the environment. Yeah. Yeah. So I was working on that for about five years in D in DC. Um, how'd you like DC? It was, I mean, it was, it's such a inspired place and I was there during the Obama era. So a lot of really smart people. Um, but I got sick of the, of everyone saying no. I was like the weirdo in the Senate who had ideas and wanted to like, I mean, everyone has ideas, but I wanted to like change things. And I felt really frustrated when over and over again, I was told like, that's not how it works. Like we won't get enough buy-in for that. Like we, you know, so. Right. So as much as you were, you were entrepreneurial in that role, you couldn't break out of the box. Yeah, exactly. Um, so as much as I, I mean, I loved working for Al Franken. I loved my, my co coworkers there. Um, but I, it wasn't my personality. I needed to see change quickly and I wanted to be able to act on my ideas, um, and change the system, not just work within the system. So I was, uh, I came back to New York. Yeah. I came back to New York, (laughs) went to NYU Stern. Um, and, very quickly reconnected with my roots in media and film. Um, I produced a film with my dad the summer before going to school. Um, and then at Stern, they have a really great program focused on media and entertainment and technology. So I, I dove into that um, and got really interested in the in the tech side of entertainment and worked at a couple of like tech-oriented film startups and companies, VHX, Film Buff. Um, I worked at... Uh, for Lauren Michael, um, to a really video. interesting group of people. Did you guys meet at um, Stern? Yeah. So I was at ITP. That's right. You were at ITP because but, I heard about your company originally through my daughter, who was at ITP for one year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we were both in a fellowship for people interested in entrepreneurship. Um, insight. So we met through that. Right. Right. Interesting. Well, what's nice is you were both in an educational spot where you could really take the time to think about what you wanted to do, um, which is very different than showing up at 830 at night after work. Yes. I feel so lucky that I met you and that I was in school because we had all the resources and the time and it was a perp. The whole point of being there was like experimenting and learning. Exactly. I mean, you're really expanding your intellectual mind and 
which is one of the things I've always loved about education is that the conversations are much more interesting than really what's going on in the classroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It made like what I was learning so much more real. Cause on the, you know, after class, Christina and I would meet and like actually apply what I was learning and like built this company. We started it halfway, you know, our second, the summer between the first and second year of the program. Amazing. So when you were at ITP, was Red Byrne still there? No, yeah. unfortunately not. She was the most amazing human being. Yeah. I mean, she really was quite the spark plug. Completely. Her <laughs> spirit was very present. Yes. Um, and I, people would quote her all the time, and I feel so inspired by her, even though I didn't get the chance to meet her. Yeah. Well, now they've moved out to Brooklyn. Yeah. Right? So I think that that's probably evolve past that period Mm -hmm. you know which is good for everybody but she was pretty incredible and so what were you sort of learning when you were at ITP were you I mean what's interesting about ITP is that it's it's a section of NYU Mm 50-50 gender which is really rare in um sort of technology-based uh platforms um although there's a real bend to the arts at ITP, mm-hmm. which makes it really unique. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I had been at The New Yorker making videos, but also working on these multimedia projects mm-hmm. with coders and designers. And it was a small new department. So it was also on an entrepreneurial job in some ways. Right. Um, and I realized I liked that piece of it. And I liked working with coders and designers, but I my knowledge there was so limited and I really wanted to like explore the possibilities more. And it's funny at the time, do you guys remember snowfall that interactive Mm -hmm. New York times story? Everyone was obsessed with. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people in media were like, this is the the future of storytelling. And so at the time I'm, you know, I wanted to like learn how to make snowfalls and the next snowfall. And now it seems kind of funny and outdated where like that's not the model that right. has sort of yeah. won. Well, you can go back in history and just look at everything that everyone got excited about that Completely. is so outdated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was interested in, in learning a little more about coding and design to still at the time, you know, think about visual storytelling, but expanding my tool set. But while I was at ITP, I was also doing a ton of freelance video work to kind of pay the bills and really busy, really hustling. And I was loving these freelance gigs, but the most frustrating part of it was renting gear. Right. And I had all of these days where I literally spent more time... Finding the gear. Finding the gear than on the shoot. My daughter has a show coming up and finding the gear has been, you know, I mean, because she's in CIG. So finding the projectors is just like not easy Mm -hmm. and super expensive. Totally. So when you went back um, to your father and actually work with him, which was probably fabulous to work with your dad, (laughs) one was that spark of the idea that you're like, wait a second here, you know, this doesn't make any sense. And I am plugged into this next generation of what's going on in the web. Why? 
Yeah. So, so I met Christina and she had this idea for Kit Split and it made so much sense to me because I had grown up with my dad. I worked with him on that. Uh, you know, I produced a film right before I met Christina and getting the gear together was an, it was a nightmare. nightmare. Yeah. And getting all the resources. I mean, my dad, he's been, I mentioned he's been making movies for 50 years. Like if anyone can do it, he can do it. And it's still a nightmare every time he has to put together a film um at finding the gear finding the people finding the locations it's it's awful and it's like starting a company every single time but which is why a good producer has their weight in gold yeah totally Mm -hmm. totally so christina had this idea of a marketplace like an airbnb for gear and it really resonated with me with my experience with my dad um was it an aha moment or was like one of those you know Boom, I just see this and like, why isn't this out there? It was really the latter. I think, so I was so frustrated with the time and money I was spending renting. And then I started renting to and from friends, which is fairly common. Right. But it was also kind of nerve wracking without insurance, without, you know, for me at the time, my camera was the most expensive thing that I own. And so it's like, if my friend drops it, you know, what, what are we going to do? Yeah. And you know, my artist friend. And so I was no money is paying off their student loans. Totally. Totally. (laughs) So I was just, and meanwhile, I would also rent from friends and have a good experience, but you know, if, they didn't have everything I need. It, it wouldn't work. And so, and meanwhile, I was in Brooklyn. I was like, there's so many other filmmakers who live here and have what I need that my friends don't have, but I just don't have a way to find them. So your A-B testing was already really done because you had both worked inside this and it was like, okay, we can build this and we know there's a void in the marketplace. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think initially I was just like, why isn't there an Airbnb for film gear? <laughs> and I started mentioning it to friends in the industry and everyone was like, oh my God, that's an amazing idea. Like you have to make that happen. And you guys met and you're yeah. like, yeah, let's yeah, do so it. So there was this one <laughs> night we were like, we worked together on a project for Insight and we were like finishing up. We were at a bar with a couple of people and Christina mentioned it. And I was just like, yes, like I, you know, I grew up with all of this, these challenges my dad faces. Meanwhile, there are more content creators than ever before with the explosion of video. Oh, and will continue to grow and grow and grow. Yeah. I mean, that company Quibi just raised a billion dollar seed round for visual, for video. Which is Insane, yeah. but regardless, <laughs> I know. Um, I mean, on a side note, that's such a crazy amount. But it and and they even think they need more, right? But uh, you know, it is um, the explosion of the arts. I and mean, I always think, oh, we're going to become like England. But um, you know, as jobs get closed, and I also think that we're in this time period where people are much more in touch with themselves, um, and that includes their creative side, mm. um, and particularly millennials. Like, yes, I work. Yes, I do this, but I want to do something I love. And I also need to do something that makes me feel good about me. And so that that they're not going to go out and buy these things because it's some of it is for work, but some of it is also just because I want to putz around on the weekend and make something. Totally. Yeah. So there are more and more people on the professional end, on the amateur, like, you know, just people exploring their own creativity. Um, but the resources that serve the world of content production are so old-fashioned. They're all brick and mortar, not even like online. 
Um, you have to just like know who to call and call them up or like go in person. So I saw this opportunity of like bringing this whole old fashioned world on online into onto the your platform, onto our platform, into the 21st century and beyond. Um, and, and it's a great name. Kid split. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And I was also personally excited about it back to that concept of industrial ecology of like, there's all this gear out there that people own and it's sitting around most of the time. Even if you're a professional content creator, when you're editing, you're not out shooting and you could, this is the most expensive thing you own. It could be a hundred thousand dollars worth of gear. So you should be monetizing that. Mm -hmm. And so this platform is like bringing this, everything online, taking advantage of these unused resources or like wasted resources and what was the biggest challenge in this how about the insurance i would think that would have been a real stretch for the insurance company that certainly does insurance for a movie set but insuring pieces of uh equipment that is going to be shared yeah insurance is we've learned a lot about insurance um and it, as you, as everyone knows, is like an old-fashioned industry. Totally. And it's, they, about, it's about, you know, mitigating risk for them. Yeah. And just looking at numbers. Yeah. So, like, they are not interested in, in, in risk. Um, <laughs> and, like, startups are high risk, high reward. But um, we did manage to find a really great insurance partner. Um, but it was really difficult because, in a way, we had to build a new type of insurance product. Right. Normally, insured equipment, you insure the owner who owns that equipment. But with us, we felt very strongly that it was the renter's responsibility to take care of the equipment when it was in their care. Just like if you had your friend drop the camera on the street. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So we had to... Which makes complete sense. It is the renter. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's Um, like car insurance. Yes, it is. Totally. Yeah. So it exists for the car insurance world, which is very helpful um, and exists in weirder, small forms for the entertainment world. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had to figure out how to make it scalable and automated and build it into our platform. So yeah, it was hard to find a partner to help us with that. But we did and they're great and we've got it yeah, up and running and yeah. And most of your customers, I'm going to assume, are New York and L.A. Yeah, we yeah we have people. We acquired a company last in 2017, right? Um, and that. they had people all over the country. So we've got them. Um, they're sort of seeding a lot of the the smaller markets. But yeah, most creators are in New York and LA. Right. Yeah. But I think that will change too, right? So Completely. that was a great acquisition. Is we're seeing the rise of the secondary city. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that you can create interesting local products, um, but they still need to rent equipment. Are people only renting equipment that is localized that they can pick up, or will it be that you could eventually ship? Yeah. Right now, it's localized for us. And, you know, a lot of this, especially for film, a lot of it is big and heavy. And so it can be prohibitive to ship it. Mm -hmm. And people also really like the community aspect of meeting someone they're renting from. And we've heard stories of people meeting someone in their neighborhood, working on similar things and becoming friends or hiring each other. Um, no kid split marriages yet, but I feel like <laughs> no, summer coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a really, you know, interesting piece of it. And we're, we're doing a lot to kind of build on that community element. Are there other things that you could be renting besides that? Um, you know, be it screens that people use as more computer imaging um, becomes important for the art world or... Um, 
I, I don't know what else, but that's something that um, everybody needs if you're into that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then those things become worthless afterwards. Yeah. Well, there are – so VR gear has been really popular on KidSplit and I think more so than we expected, particularly when we were starting out. But it makes sense because, you know, everyone is excited about these new technologies and they, they also get them. outdated so quickly. And so if you have it, you want to take advantage of it before it's obsolete. And if you don't, you want to try it before buying it. And are there companies that are making these products that want to partner with you so that, you know, they're taking, you know, it's like you think about Avis. I'm going to go back to cars and, you know, they are taking a new fleet of who knows, you know, Cadillacs, I don't know. Um, although obviously the car industry is like lagging, but regardless that someone at Nikon, you know, would say, hey, you know what, we've got this whole new line of this, um, you know, we're going to sell it, but we're also going to let you rent these products out um, because we're making split and we're going to make money on the product. Yeah. You know, the manufacturers of the gear have been very interested in what we're doing. Um, So they're, you know, and there's a lot of different ways that we could work with them. Um, We haven't explored exactly that, um, but I think it's a nice idea. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's an evolution, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, and and I would assume you have become really the go-to place, the first place people look. Um, You know, as I said, my daughter, I said, when she was looking for a particular piece, I said, did you go to Kisplit? She goes, I did, but they didn't have it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. But by the way... You know, maybe in a year, as it becomes more and more important in that industry, we're going to see, you know, more of those kind of things on your platform. And again, she connected with someone who had to buy that piece of equipment and was so happy just to give it to her to use for like nothing because he's like, I remember what it was like when I started out. And um, so I think the community is very... Um, uh, want to see everyone succeed and, um, you know, it was very communal um, in a good way. Yeah. Totally. I mean, content creators and, and entertainment industry, I think is like a particularly community oriented world because like you can't, it's very hard to make a film alone. Right. You need crew and people aren't doing, you know, people are doing it because they're inspired by it mm-hmm. and they want to share that passion and they get excited meeting other people who share that right. passion. Right. So we're trying to bring that community element and that passion into the gear rental process. Right. Right. And make it, you know, what was formerly like a pain, turn it into something that's enjoyable where you can make build connections and meet other people and learn from them. Uh, Completely. Yeah. I mean, content, what have you not. But what is, you know, is interesting about the film world is that everyone is an entrepreneur. And yeah. every project is a new project mm-hmm. with all brand new freelancers. And based on who's got the right talent and um, skills for that particular project. And I think that's the importance of why the community has to be strong. Yeah. It's so interesting. You make such a good point that it's like everyone's an entrepreneur and they're working in different roles all the time. All the time. Like when we do our customer personas, it's like the same person could fill multiple personas based on like what project they're working on in, in the course of a year. Right. People do big budget and then they'll come and do like a small indie short film because they're excited about it. And then they'll have like a client project 
for a commercial or something. It's so interesting. Well, it, you are in a very you're not in a niche business because the opportunity is tremendous. Um, and let's just talk a little bit about, you know, as we all know, you have to raise money for these businesses. Right. And I think, you know, the, the biggest challenge that you both have is that you're talking to most people that don't understand your business. They understand a marketplace, mm -hmm. but they don't really understand the production community or, you know, the makers. Are you finding that as you have grown the business, that there are people that are actually in that space that understands we should put money into this and help you grow? Yeah, we've been, uh, you're right. Like the, the, everyone knows film. Everyone's right. watching videos. They go to film. But like the sort of behind the scenes of how these projects are made and the industries that support content creation are not something that most people have ever experienced. Right. So yeah, it's definitely like a world, like we've <laughs> pitched to so many investors who were like, I never thought about that. Like I just didn't even know people rented cameras. So we've, we've. That's been a challenge. So yeah, it's been challenging, but um, you know, we've also just been kind of like focused with who we pitch to. Um, and this is something that we got advice on and that I give advice to other entrepreneurs on too. It's like figure out what your, you know, find the investors who are interested in your space. Absolutely. Don't waste time with other people. It's um, a great advice. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, it's just like being focused on your business. You waste your time. They waste their time. Yeah. And you get nowhere but just frustration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've found a lot of really incredible investors who know the space and know the opportunity. And some of them are in the media space, like Hearst Media, um, Mike Krieger, who's a co-founder of Instagram, Broadway Video, who makes SNL. They, they, they get know it. the pain points here and they know that this industry is also exploding. And then we also have a lot of, you know, marketplace expert investors who are really excited about the dynamics of our marketplace. And for example, the fact that a lot of our supply side are also demand side. Right. Which makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, listen, it takes years to build businesses. And I do think that you were early to the game, you know, just like when you went to the New Yorker, like video came and exploded. It wasn't that long ago. I think that you'll find yourself in a very, very different spot five years from now as more people understand the importance of renting um, equipment that changes constantly and that is super expensive and really, for most people, not attainable to purchase. Yeah. Yeah. $100,000 camera plus like quarter million dollars of lights. It's like standard for a shoot. No, it is. And it's, it is, and, and it's for a shoot. It's a couple days and then everything disappears. Yeah. Right. So you might as well share the wealth. Yeah. I agree. Well, thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Thanks so much. Come let us help you with your next project. We're at kitsplit.com. Thank you for having us. Sure. Thanks for having us. Thank you to Elizabeth and Christina for sharing your story with me. If you're not already on Kitsplit, head on over there to their website at kitsplit.com. Thank you.